Hi guys, welcome to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast. We are here weekly working at simplifying things one day at a time, one step at a time, and together we can do this, guys. I am your host, Michelle Visser, and today is episode 18 of season five. We are still on season five and we still have more great content to come. It's been such a fantastic season. If you've missed any episode, I highly recommend them all. This season, we are talking about the simple steps towards improving our health, and it has been good stuff and very doable, easy stuff. And I think you're going to love this episode. I'm excited. We are actually breaking down three ingredients that you really should rethink if you are trying to up the game with more wholesome, healthy food in your kitchen, on your table, in your pantry, etc. But there's a lot more to this episode too. It's not just those three ingredients. I'm excited because the chief experience officer of Azure Standard is with us today. And I had so much fun picking her brain and hearing her favorite ingredients, her thoughts on all of this stuff. If you don't know what Azure Standard is, let me tell you. Okay, first of all, the current food model in our nation, if you somehow have missed it, I'm pretty sure you all know, it has failed us like more than once over the past few years. Our food supply network is unfortunately unreliable. We all remember the empty shelves that have happened more than once during 2020 and even since um, of different things that have just not been available across the country. So there is an alternative and Azure Standard is an amazing alternative. It's a free independent food supply chain. It works kind of like a food buying club, you know, like BJ's or Costco, but you don't have to buy in bulk. There is zero club membership fees and the shipping costs are extremely reasonable. I really love Azure Standard, but if you're not interested in Azure Standard, if you for some reason don't have access to it, which that's really close to impossible these days because they are in 49 of the 50 states. But if Azure Standard isn't your game for whatever reason, this episode is absolutely still for you. Like I said, this episode is really focusing on three main ingredients that we need to rethink. Um, but we also do talk about Azure Standard and how it works. It's a family-owned company and they are getting it done, guys. They saw a system that was broken and they created a better way. And I thoroughly love ordering from and going to my Azure pickup on a monthly basis to get so many ingredients that I know are really good things. Um, they literally put the food on refrigerated trucks and they send them out and they drive them to where you are. They work directly with food distributors and manufacturers, and they really do everything in their power to ensure what they are selling through Azure Standard is high quality, good stuff, good ingredients, good food. And because they remove like that middle layer of the broken food system, it, it works. It's a really good option. If you want to know if they deliver near you or how close the nearest drop is, if you want to go to the show notes, I will leave a link. Um, you also can go to solelyrested.com and just slash, just slash, just search S5E18 for season five, episode 18. And everything about this episode will come right up at solelyrested.com, search S5E18. 
18. Um, and I am, um, just full disclosure, I am connected with Azure Standard. Once I went to some of the drops, started ordering the food, realized how much I love what they do, I offer links to you. There's absolutely no extra cost, but Azure knows that your purchase is coming through my suggestion and they do support my efforts in small ways as well. So whenever you use my links, I greatly appreciate it. And it makes no difference on your end for sure. Um, so what else did I wanna tell you? Oh, um, so Karen Slusher is the joining us. She's the chief experience officer, as I mentioned. And she said a few things that we skimmed over and I wanted to make sure I explained a little bit more. She mentioned coconut sugar and I wanted to explain to you what coconut sugar is because it's pretty fascinating, especially if you're a sugar maker like me. Um, coconut sugar is actually the sap from the coconut bloom on, or not the coconut, is that what I wanna say? Yeah, the bloom that turns into the coconut. They make a little cut on the flower of the coconut palm and they extract the liquid sap from that flower. And that sap is then heated the same as the way we make maple syrup when we heat up the sap from the tree and the water's evaporated and you end up with this beautiful brown granule sugar that's coconut sugar. It's a fantastic alternative to refined white processed sugar. It's delicious, so much better for you. And it's one of many sugar alternatives, actually, that I include on my pantry checklist. Every sugar that I purchase for different reasons, and actually every ingredient that I purchase for all different reasons, is on this seven-page pantry checklist. If you have downloaded this before, I think I created it last season, so you've probably heard me talk about this a few times. It's all new, totally new. Okay, not totally new. A lot of things on there stayed the same, but I've added so much over the past few weeks and I'm excited to be rolling out this brand new pantry checklist. So please, even if you've already downloaded it, go grab it. There's new offers on there. A lot of the links have coupon codes attached to it. So there's even you know these great deals and everything on there is in my pantry. Really good stuff. Um, so if you go to saltyrested.com slash pantry, you can very easily download the pantry checklist. And Karen also mentioned Celtic salt. It's actually fascinating. I did not know this about Azure Standard. So you have to listen in. The connection between Celtic salt and Azure Standard is pretty cool. But that gives me a great entryway to tell you my sponsor for this episode is Redmond Real Salt. And to tell you that Celtic salt is a great salt option, as is Himalayan salt. But I thought I would break down quickly for you the minor differences between Redmond Real Salt, Celtic Sea Salt, and Himalayan Pink Salt so that you can know as a, a consumer, you know, what salt might be best for your family. Um, Celtic Sea Salt compares quite similarly to Redmond Salt, but the biggest difference, honestly, is its source. Celtic Sea Salt is coming from a source that has environmental issues that aren't involved with Redmond real salt because Redmond mines their salt underground from an ancient seabed. There are no environmental issues that affect Celtic salt or any modern salt today. So any modern salt is going to be impacted by things like mercury or lead or even plastics or other toxic man-made chemicals that impact our oceans. 
Um, but Celtic sea salt has a delicious taste and it, it really is a good option for salt. Himalayan salt, the main difference, honestly, because they actually harvest their salt from an ancient seabed. The main difference with Himalayan salt is the distance that it's traveling. It's coming from Pakistan. So like 7,000 miles to get to your kitchen. And that is a whole lot different than if you're purchasing salt that is mined here in the States in Utah. And also Redmond has just so many amazing practices and policies that are good for the environment, good for their employees and the families that work for them. So that's just a very quick synopsis. There's lots more, but a breakdown of how those different good for you salts all compare. If you'd like to check out Redmond, go to solelyrested.com slash salt. And I put my three absolute favorite things that I am always putting in my cart when I am purchasing from Redmond. So you can see what my three favorite things are. And I also have my discount code there. So you can save 15% on anything you want to try out from Redmond Real Salt. Fabulous company, fabulous seasonings and salts. Can't recommend them enough. Solelyrested.com slash salt. And now let's bring on Karen. Okay. So Karen, I'm so glad you could join us today. I've actually been looking forward to our chat for a few weeks now since we booked it because I'm really eager to hear what you have to say today. Karen Slusher is the Chief Experience Officer for Azure Standard. And can you give us, I know I could never do this because you guys encompass so much, but can you give us just a brief description of what Azure Standard is? Absolutely. I'd be happy to do that. It's it's really funny because people ask that question and I like to say that, well, we're in Oregon and in Oregon, we like to do things differently. <laughs> they say, you know, Portland's weird. Well, we're not in Portland. Thank goodness. We're, you know, not, I love Portland, but we are uh, 80 miles <laughs> east of Portland and we're in the middle of wheat country and cherry orchards here in, in the Pacific Northwest. But, you know, Azure does a lot of things. We're not just, you know, one um, particular uh, type of model um, or company. So it makes us just very different. We started as an organic farm um, back in the 70s. We were the first certified organic farm in the state of Oregon. And mm -hmm. then, um, so pioneered that space really, uh, David and his family. Mm -hmm. Then over time, we uh, turned into a, along with being an organic farm, which we still are, um, we developed the business um, into a distributorship. And so we are a, what you would consider a grocery distributor. Uh, we distribute to stores, um, grocery stores, like we all go to and purchase from as well. Know as, that. Yeah. So that's so just that's their local. Um, we are that. all over the country doing that. Yeah. yeah. And so we, that's where our roots are. That's where we started. David was hawking yellow neck squash off the back and some, and wheat harvest and different things off the back of his truck as a, as a teenager um, to the stores and the stores requesting um, additional products is what kind of developed the distribution side of the company. Okay. And so that's where it started. And we're still a grocery distributor. And then over time, people like you and I, who wanted to buy uh, kind of in bulk from the farm, uh, came to David and, and said, can we purchase um, from you direct? So he said, why not? And these food buying clubs developed. And so these food buying clubs are groups of people like you and I who come together and buy direct from the distributor. So we're cutting out the middleman. We're not going to the store, whom we still deliver to stores. and uh, then. 
you're cutting that store markup out because you're buying direct from the distributor or manufacturer because we are considered a manufacturer as well. We manufacture, of course, we have the farm and produce and we grow our own um, veggies and cherries. Right now we're in the heart of cherry season. Mm -hmm. And then we uh, also manufacture carob candies as well as a lot of our own private label that either we're doing ourselves here or we're contracting with suppliers or manufacturers to make our private label products for us. And that is a benefit because we can keep our prices low, kind of control the supply chain better than when you're distributing for a specific vendor, like an Annie's or Pacific Foods or Celtic Sea Salt, which are some of the vendors that we have. Uh, and we incubate and launch new brands. And a lot of folks don't realize we do that too. So it's really hard to go to market when you are a new brand. And so we work with uh, independent and family-owned businesses, which is what we are, and we help them incubate and launch. So back in the early days, Celtic Sea Salt and Pacific Foods are two examples of companies that we helped uh, incubate and launch and grow, and now they're big, really big names in the market. And so it's fun to watch those things happen too. So we're a little, little bit of fun. Thing. Yeah. I did so not know your connection to Celtic. That is so interesting. So, yeah. Okay. When you agreed that you would be able to sit down and chat with us today, the first thing I knew I wanted to talk about was some very simple ingredients. Like I'd like to just really narrow down a couple ingredients that I think the average person might not really think much about. Like they might want to start getting on a healthy journey, eating a little better, having a little more whole foods in their house. But certain things they just, at least for me, that I just didn't think about in the beginning of this journey um, especially the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, is sugar. Now, part of that's because I'm a sugar maker and I've written a book all about maple syrup. Um, but also this is what really intrigues me about sugar when it comes to maple syrup. And this can be a topic of a whole nother podcast, but people are often asking me, do I need to buy organic? And there's a long answer, but the short answer is actually no, because maple syrup is literally sap that is boiled down to make your syrup and organic versus non-organic, the differences are not affecting the quality of your syrup. Our syrup is not labeled organic, but it couldn't be any more pure, if that makes sense. So the reason I tell you this is I never thought about the sugar I was buying. Like I mainly use maple syrup and maple sugar, but I certainly use regular sugar as well, the white stuff, you know, and until a few years ago, I was just buying the really cheap you know, 99 cent bag at my grocery store and never, ever once thought about it. But I started learning about what it means to be organic when it's cane sugar. And like my mouth started dropping and I was like horrified that I was feeding my family this stuff that was the 99 cent bag that was far from organic. So if you could start with that ingredient, there's a couple more I want to get into too, but sure. if, if someone, you know, wants to think about the sugar that they're buying, why is it important to think about, is it organic? Well, I think sugar is a good place to start for sure. We all use it and pretty heavily um, in our diet. Too heavily in our society. Especially, yeah. right? <laughs> and so uh, I would venture to say cane sugar is something I would avoid as much as possible and use very limitedly um, mm -hmm. to start with. But if good you point. are, sugar is sugar, right? Whether it's conventional or organic, it's still sugar. Even and maple so, syrup, I will yeah. always admit, you really don't need to have a whole lot of it. Yep. 
Right, right. So, um, and different sugars are better for you than others, right? Some spike your blood um, glucose up uh, more than others and you get those, those spikes and those drops. So like a coconut sugar would be one that you could feel a lot better about having, you know, more regularly in your diet, which is kind of where I lean. But when we look at cane sugar, um, one of the things that is just really um, a huge difference between organic and um, conventional is that it is highly, highly treated with desiccants and like glyphosate to dry it out. And it is um, just a very highly treated crop with chemicals, yeah. with pesticides, synthetic chemicals. And so herbicides, pesticides, insecticides, all of those are just really, really as you can imagine, bad for our health. And we're putting that synthetic chemical into our bodies. And then of course it's very refined. Um, it's very processed. Yeah. And so you're putting a highly processed, highly chemically treated crop into your body and our bodies are not designed for that. So that's probably the primary reasons I would suggest is absolutely not. If you're going to have cane sugar, go with organic because you're not going to have any of the chemical synthetic chemical treatments on it. It's generally not, it's not highly processed. It's going to have a little bit of a different color. It's going to look a little different than your standard, yeah. you know, sugar. That's it's much prettier actually. Store. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it is. It has a yeah. much prettier look to it and it can vary. I mean, it can be anywhere from a, a lighter, almost a white color to a um, golden color. You can even yes. kind of get almost a little brown look to it sometimes, depending on where it's coming from in the world and um, and their process, but it, it's not highly, it's not refined. It doesn't go through all the chemical treatment and, and the bleaching and all the things that they do to the, the conventional cane sugar. So that would be my um, assessment on why you would wanna go with organic over okay. conventional. And there's and lots of other reasons that we could spend a huge amount of time going over. Of course, over, of might course. Be, isn't you know. there something specific about cane sugar that the pesticides are like impossible to not use almost, or I, I, there's something I, I don't know what I read a while ago, or it's really hard. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not that deeply schooled in the nuances of all the parts of, of cane sugar growing, but, or, yeah. but yeah, there, there are different practices, of course, and a and once you are treating with pesticides and herbicides and insecticides, all the, I like to call them all the sides, you know, once you're, <laughs> you're treating with those things. The sides you don't want. The sides, yes, that's right. The sides <laughs> you don't want. Uh, that's a good way to put it. Um, you know, it, it gets into the plant. It uptakes into the plant itself, into its DNA. So you can't wash it off. Yeah. You know, it is ingrained in the DNA of the plant. Yeah. And maybe that's what I was reading about the DNA. That's probably what it was. Um, okay. So what about oil is the next thing that I really okay. didn't think about for the longest time, because I was so confused about all the options of oils and I couldn't figure out what was good, what was bad. Um, but eventually after a lot of reading about it, I came and trying all different ones that were considered the healthier versions. I came to the point that I fell in love with avocado oil. So I was hoping that is something that we could talk about for a minute. Um, for me, the reasons I love avocado oil primarily is it has all the health benefits, very equivalent to olive oil, but it has a much higher smoke point. So you can smoke. use it in the high temperature cooking. Um, I thought I wouldn't like the taste. I thought it would actually 
taste avocado-ish? I personally, I don't know. Do you use avocado oil? I don't think it tastes at all avocado-ish. <laughs> yeah, I do. I use avocado oil a lot. Uh, okay. That and grapeseed oil, um, which is also okay. a nice high smoke point. Um, okay. Well. But avocado oil is definitely a good one to start with. And you're right. It doesn't have that avocado taste to it. So it doesn't infuse your food with some funky taste that you, you don't want to have there. Um, right. Whereas now, olive oil will, if you've ever cooked, if you've ever done anything, yes. with olive oil, it will give that kind of heavy olive oil flavor yes. to whatever. But the cooking. avocado is such a light flavor that I'll even use it just right to sprinkle it on my popcorn. If I have some air pot popcorn, I'll drizzle yeah. some avocado oil and add my salt and I'm good, you know? Um, so I didn't realize when I first started using avocado oil, I was picking it up at my local TJ Maxx or maybe my some grocery stores carried it, some didn't. But I didn't realize that all avocado oil is definitely not the same. And I came across an article explaining, and tell me if I'm wrong, but this article was explaining that there are no standards to determine if avocado oil is of any certain quality. And there's actually no regulations over the labels per se for avocado oil. So it's really important to know your source if I'm understanding it correctly. Yeah, you're, it is important to know your source. And that's one of the things here at Azure that is so important to us. We either know the farmers ourselves, we know the, the groves they come from, or the supplier that we work with, maybe if we have a broker or something like that, that we're working with, we know we have the information from them and they know the supplier really, really well. Now we've had very okay. long-term relationships with a lot of our suppliers, 30 plus years. So we know them, we know their processes. Wow. And so it's important to, to know your source or at least know that where you're buying it from has a relationship with their source and can tell you what the standard is um, for what they're what they're sourcing from their supplier. You know, for us, you know, we like cold pressed, um, all, uh, I say olive oil almost, uh, because it's yep. normal one you go to, but avocado, yep. oil, um, we like cold pressed olive oil too, but, um, we like uh, cold pressed avocado oil. Um, you maintain the new, higher nutrient profile when you're doing cold pressed as opposed to refining. You know, some folks okay. want the refined because they can still maybe have a little bit of, they feel like they have a little bit of the taste still of the olive. And depending on what part of the, I mean, I'm sorry, I keep saying olive, um, the avocado is being pressed. Um, you know, sometimes a little bit of the pit gets pressed with it or the, the skin is pressed. And if it's a little more mature or a little less mature, you're going to get a little bit of a different flavor profile. Um, and that goes on both sides, even with olives. Um, so, you know, for avocados, it just depends on, um, you know, when they're harvesting it and uh, the age of that avocado and what is being pressed to show whether even the colorations um, can be have a variation in color um, based on what part of the avocado is being pressed and mm -hmm. what color the skin was at the time um, that that was being pressed. So there, you can see variants um, and sometimes even our avocado oil will look a little bit different. One time it might be a little bit of a lighter green. Another time it might be I have noticed that, yep. brown. Yeah, just um, depending again on um, what time of the harvest it's being pulled and pressed. Okay. And is it true that avocados are really resistant to oxidation? Like they don't go rancid as quickly as some other oils? It, it, yes, that's true. And it depends on different factors. It also depends on how you're storing it in your home. If you're putting it in an area where um, it's being 
uh, heat, you know, where it's coming in contact with a lot of heat, mm -hmm. um, then. So right there by the stove off. might not be the best place. Right. I probably would keep it in a cool, dark place. I wouldn't keep yeah. it in my cabinet by my stove or where right. it's going to come in contact with some type of heat source. So, right. um, and that's really with any oils, you know, just yeah. making sure that we're not um, keeping them around heat. It will speed up the oxidation and rancidity of that oil. Okay. I guess though, if you have, I have just a small little dispenser that I do keep by the stove so that nobody panics, you know, I go through that pretty quickly. So I sure. don't have any problem with, with leaving that there. Yeah. And I, do I, the same thing. I have a little bottle that I drizzle with. I like to put it on my salad. So yep. Um, yep. You know, definitely. It, or, you know, as a finishing, um, oil on different foods. Um, so, you know, it, it's fine there as long as it's just not, you know, being stored over long-term. Yes. Yes. Cause I sometimes get the biggest bottle you guys have, and then I will keep that in the dark corners of the cold area of my kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's so important. I mean, like we talked about knowing your source because there are so many diluted um, oils on the market yes. and, you know, um, companies that cut costs. And so they'll use other oils, uh, you know, and call it olive oil or right. oil. And so, you know, we do a lot of, so we do a lot of screening here at Azure. And so every product that comes into the company, regardless of what it is, mm -hmm. we have um, a product meeting every month and we sit and go through all of the new products. And then if we need to reassess products, we'll do that as well. Um, we do taste tests. And so we just uh, pour avocado or olive oil, whatever the oil is onto a spoon. And we know what the like polyphenols and olive oil are supposed to taste like. And we can tell, you know, what, um, what that's supposed to be like on your palate if it's pure. And so um, we're doing taste testing here as a group and we're uh, going through the process to determine, you know, it doesn't taste like it's supposed to, is it what we would want to put in front of our customers? But we also require certificates of analysis on all of our products that come through. So we're looking at what the makeup of the product is through the certificate of analysis. And so we're able to determine if, you know, if it's pure, if it's not looking at those documents. Okay. And I know that's one thing I fell in love with when I started ordering from Azure Standard that I realized you guys have these high standards. And I realized also that you're very picky about what you offer. You do not offer refined chemical laden cane sugar. You just, you can't buy it at Azure Standard. So that makes me feel good to know I'm not going to mess up with something I order, even if I haven't done all the research to know if it's definitely a healthy choice. So Absolutely. I greatly appreciate that. Yeah, no, we, we, well, we, we wouldn't want to offer anything to our customers that we wouldn't want to put into our own bodies. Now we won't say everything we sell is something that we would all eat ourselves, you know, there's own foods, right? And so right. we know that everyone who comes here to Azure may not be ready for an entirely organic lifestyle. Good and point. so we have, you know, foods that we consider like entry level products that are a higher step up than what you're going to get in the grocery store. But we know that we can then help teach our customers um, how to pick the right things over time and do education um, to help them along their journey toward organic, you know, and when it comes to even the foods that if you're not just buying straight cane sugar, you know, organic cane sugar from us, uh, every product that comes through when we're looking at them in those uh, monthly meetings I was telling you about, um, we are looking at the ingredients and if it just says cane sugar, 
it won't come in through our distributorship. So we'll reject that product every time if it's not organic cane okay. sugar, if it's being used in a product. And we try again to limit that, you know, when we're looking at those products that are coming in that are maybe a, a box of cookies or something like that, um, that we're limiting the amount of cane sugar products even that we're bringing through our distributorship and that we're looking for other options like maybe monk fruit or- um, I love monk fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Monk fruit's amazing. And, uh, allulose or, you know, something that's different, um, that maybe also will be a little healthier for you. Coconut sugar, as I mentioned before, we look at those products to make sure that we're, we're giving a a vast array of options and not everything is just filled with organic cane sugar because again, sugar, sugar, right. And in moderation. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, let's talk about something else that maybe we should have in moderation, but I personally don't really ever want to have it in moderation. Let's talk about chocolate because it is a favorite topic of mine. Um, I make a lot of chocolate chip cookies. I put chocolate chips in a whole lot of things. And, you know, if you go and you just Google like are Nestle chocolate chip cookie or Nestle chocolate chips good for you, or are they healthy or are chocolate chips healthy? I guarantee you the first thing that comes up, you're going to get some ridiculousness about how, well, because chips, chocolate chips are made from cocoa and cocoa is full of antioxidants that chocolate chips are healthy for you. Like you really will get that. Go ahead and try it. (laughs) Right. Right. So so let's, let's get rid of that right now. Let's explain that if you could break it down for us, because you do not sell Nestle chocolate chips, of course. Um, We do not. (laughs) you, You sell a lot of options that I love and I'm still working through them, honestly, but I would love for you to explain more about, like, I know you have the cocoa the cacao nibs, I think they are cacao nibs, right? Cacao nibs, we do. Yeah, I have a big five, a five pound um, canister, like an air seal canister, filled with my cacao nibs that I'm working through different ways. I love using them; they're so delicious. And you have carob chips, and you have organic chocolate chips. If somebody just wants, you know, something like Nestle's, but much, much better. So, mm-hmm. why do we want to go organic with our chocolate? And what are all these options that we have? Oh my, that's a big question. <laughs> you know, I grew up, uh, I grew up on the East coast near um, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Oh, and, uh, I yes. know Hershey. Yes. yes. And they, you know, and, and, uh, that was a huge, um, push, you know, even in schools to get kids to eat Hershey chocolate. Right. Oh, funny. <laughs> and, um, and then when you taste good chocolate, you realize that Hershey and Nestle and all those chocolates really are not good chocolate. They're almost <laughs> they a just, little bit like almost, I don't want to say plastic, but just even a different texture, you know, it's, it's not, you're right. It's not good. Well, plastic <laughs> is a good assessment. I mean, really uh, they, a lot of chocolates, um, conventional chocolates use wax and I, it's oh. almost expensive. You're like, really? You're putting wax. You're like I'm eating oh. wax. So they, they use wax. They also use things like high fructose corn syrups and, mm. you know, cheap ingredients, mm. um, and although you do have some really expensive like Belgian chocolates that are not organic out there, you're still working with a cocoa bean or um, cacao, you know, where again, a highly treated crop, right? And mm. so you can't wash pesticides off no matter how much people try to tell you that you can. Mm. And so you're still going to get um, that residual uh, in your body from, from that processed cacao bean or the cocoa. So, you know, that's one main reason to go organic just to get rid of the synthetic chemicals, right? That's, that's the first. And um, the wax didn't know about that. And the wax. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just really, I just, 
like eat wax. <laughs> like, would you just go eat a candle? I, I would venture. No, I don't think so. Even right? the ones that so smell good. <laughs> who would, yeah. Who would want to do that? So you're, it's all, it's, it's just kind of like, really wax? You care so much about the people you're feeding your food to that you're going to put yeah. wax. In. But really, and I then think they must put a lot of flavorings in there to cover up that wax taste. You oh know? yeah. Yeah. The artificial with all kinds of things, dyes, yeah. and, you know, yeah. color dyes and things like that. So, you know, I say, read your labels, you know, yeah. that's so important. Read the ingredients, read what's yeah. in the, what's in the food. Um, and when it comes to cacao or cocoa or carob, sometimes it comes down to preference. They all have benefits in different ways. Um, you know, they all have antioxidants, like you mentioned, of course that gets touted. Um, you know, cacao has uh, more antioxidants than cocoa would. Um, whereas when you're looking at carob, you're looking at a different profile as far as like it's loaded with calcium and potassium and fiber. There's no caffeine in carob. Whereas when you're looking at cacao or cocoa, you've got caffeine. So sometimes it just comes down to personal preference for your own body, what you're looking to, um, the type of vitamins and minerals and things that you're looking to put in your body. It's a great sweet treat. Any of them are a great sweet treat. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, I choose carob. Um, I have autoimmune disorder. And so when you have any kind of autoimmune disorder, chocolates are just really inflammatory. And oh. so it, um, it, it just adds to yeah. inflammation in your body. A lot of folks also don't know that chocolate inhibits the absorption of calcium. And for me as a 48 year old oh. woman, uh, yes. I need calcium in my bones yes. <laughs> um, and carob actually aids in the absorption of calcium. Interesting. So I tend you to just helped me with something. Cause I would have forgotten this. Honestly, every episode this season, this whole season is about simple steps towards improving your health. And I promised my listeners in the beginning that whenever possible, I would bring in weight loss and menopause, because those are two topics that came in second and third, when everybody was saying what they wanted the season to be about. So you just brought in menopause beautifully, how a menopausal woman really should consider carob chips. And yes, absolutely. Are important things. That is very important. And not just, um, I can tie it to the weight loss as well for you. Whereas awesome. carob is actually um, helps with satiety. So it is often used when you are, yes, it helps you stay. So I'll, I'll eat less cookies. You're telling me, no, I, I can't <laughs> promise you that, <laughs> but I will tell you that I keep carob in my drawer here in the office and just a small handful of carob tides hmm. me over for the afternoon. And so, um, you, you don't have to eat lots of it. You know, sometimes with chocolate, I could eat a whole bar and I, then you feel bad. So I'm like, I eat the whole yes. bar with yes. carob. I, you know, one square, you know, keeps of carob just keeps me satiated through the day. And I feel, um, less hungry. I don't snack as much. And so carob is very good for aiding in digestion. So it helps actually with your gut health. Um, and that's really important again, with just keeping your, your gut healthy and, and clear. Now so what, what is carob exactly? Cause it is not cacao or cocoa. It is not. Um, carob is a legume. It comes from uh, huh. from a tree, like it looks like a bean pod, and uh, primarily grown in the Mediterranean in the Middle East. Uh, our carob we sourced from Australia from an organic carob uh, farmer there. Um, it is often used for the bean inside um, for guar gum, which is a thickener. 
Uh, and so the carob that comes out of the Mediterranean and the Middle East is often used primarily for that. They extract the bean out to make that guar gum. Hmm. And the pod is really skinny and um, is a kind of a byproduct and it gets ground up into powder and, and turned into um, carob treats and things like that. Now, that type of um, cultivar of carob pod out of that part of the world, the Mediterranean, the Middle East is very um, bitter. It just is, uh, has a kind of a bitter aftertaste to it and it has kind of a grittiness. So a lot of the conventional carob out there, especially, and, and really there's very little organic carob in the market. We, we make um, hmm. pretty much the only organic, truly pure organic carob in the marketplace right now. There is another wow. one in the United States we are aware of, um, but they add uh, uh, cocoa butter. Um, oh. so it's not a pure, a pure carob. Okay. Um, so it, it's a legume again. Um, and it comes from the locust tree. Uh, it is high in manganese and fiber, as I mentioned before, and the cultivar that we, um, are, uh, pulling in from Australia is grown just for the sweet lush pod. So it's a different cultivar, which gives the different flavor profile to the care powder that we use. It's oh, very wow. sweet, naturally sweet. So you don't have to add sugar to it. Um, oh, I love your carob chips. They're delicious. And I will eat them the way you eat your little square of carob. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just by a little handful and yeah, absolutely delicious. Um, I like the chips too. The mint is my favorite. Oh, uh, I haven't tried that candy, one. Candy but without the colorations oh, and the, you know, I didn't even know you had mint carob chips. That is going in my next Azure yes, order. Oh my no, gosh. <laughs> You'll have to tell me what you think of it. It's one of my it, the weight loss favorite. idea is going to go out the window though. Cause those are going to be way too delicious. <laughs> <laughs> they are definitely can be at a, uh, I hate to say an addiction, but they definitely can be. They are, they are a bit of, um, of a favorite in our house. Wow. Okay. So what about now that we've covered those three ingredients, I wanted to make sure we covered what kind of tips would you give somebody who is just kind of starting out and they just really want to eat a little healthier, but it's gotta be baby steps. We can't overhaul the whole kitchen or you go crazy. You know, yeah, where would absolutely. you tell them to start? What are your tips for that? Absolutely. I like to help with that. You know, it's, it's so funny of different people who are all in and all out type people. And you have the people that have to take the baby steps. And, yeah. and generally that's who most of us are, right? We're not just going to go in and wipe out everything that we've purchased and then start again. It, it's expensive to do that too. Yeah. Um, where I would start is with produce. If you're starting your journey, um, produce would be the first thing that I would change out. And the reason for that is there's, there's a saying out there, um, that many people have heard the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. Yes. And I tell folks that is really a lie, you know, really? Yes. yes. Um, because you cannot wash pesticides off of produce. It's not possible. So when glyphosate is sprayed on the ground or insecticides or herbicides or any of those things are sprayed in the ground. The plant is uptaking that into the DNA of that plant. And as that plant blooms, that pesticide residue is still in there. So it's, it's ingrained within the DNA of the plant. So I guess it comes down to when you look at the clean 15 and the dirty dozen and the way that it's shared, as far as the results of pesticide residue on those. And so they say, you know, the level of pesticide residue is what determines, you know, which ones are the clean 15 and which ones are the dirty dozen. Well, 
the clean 15 still have pesticide residue. So the question is, do you want a lot of pesticide in your diet or do you mm. want a little bit of pesticide in your diet? Mm. So if I were starting and making my first change, it would be produce, whether it's frozen, whether it's canned, whether it's fresh, mm. I would be moving to organic. Um, For everything. Just, you would everything. ignore the whole dirty dozen idea. I would. I throw that out the window. Mm. It's just, mm. it's, it's not accurate. You're still mm. eating pesticide. Um, you know, I always liked it. We had an article that we put out, I, I think it was our January, you'd have to look sales flyer where we talked about that and shared. And it's kind of like, if I put a little poo in my brownies and I mixed it up, would you still want to eat my brownies? Well, probably not, <laughs> right. No. You know, so if there's a little mm -hmm. pesticide in your, in your produce, do you want a little pesticide in your diet or do you want no pesticide in your mm -hmm. diet? The goal is to get that out of our diets. Wow. It, it, it is it is dangerous in our bodies, you know, over time, pesticide builds up, the more we eat, the more it builds up in our body. Yeah. And then we get all these different health effects from it. Right. And so yeah. we want to clean our bodies of that. So that would be the first place. The second place I would go is looking at um, about four crops that I would start swapping out right away okay. because they're the most highly uh, treated crops, uh, cocoa beans, coffee beans, mm. um, soybeans, rice and of course cane sugar like we talked about before wow so, so we picked i picked two good ones to talk about okay <laughs> you did so those are five of the most highly treated crops when it comes to uh chemicals uh synthetic chemicals and treatment with herbicides and pesticides and, and insecticides okay. so i would be swapping that out rice being one of the main ones i would um, get that one out right away and then non and of course this is produce but corn in the United States, we're not aware of any corn that is not genetically modified. So organic wow. is where you want to go. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. So all of this stuff you're talking about, including produce, which some people might not know, we can order through Azure standard. If we don't have a local great source for that local is always best, but if we don't, and we live in the boondocks and we want something delivered to us, we can order through Azure standard. So could you explain to us in a a nutshell. <laughs> How does it work? How do we order from Azure Standard and get the good stuff? Absolutely. Well, you have a couple options. Um, the best way to order through us is to a drop point. Um, we call those drop pickup locations in your community. We are in 49 of the 50 states. Wow. There's likely a drop near you somewhere. Um, so getting onto our website, going to our find a drop map, which we have um, on our yes. website in the footer of our website. And I'll link and that in the show notes. Yeah. And then you can put in your zip code and then it will open up that map and show you if there are any drop points in your area. Now there are pickup locations. Some will hold orders. Um, some will not. Some you have to mm -hmm. be there to pick up at the time of delivery. I always tell folks if there's multiple drop pickup locations in your area, join all of them and then Find yeah. out which one is a good fit for you because it's all about community. We're trying to yeah. build community. Maybe one vibes with you a little bit better than another one. I agree. A little bit more connection there. Talk to the drop coordinators. They're volunteers. They host these drops in their community. Azure doesn't come into a community and say, we're going to start delivering here. We get invited. We get mm -hmm. invited by a customer who wants to be a, be a service to their community with these food buying clubs. And so get to know that drop coordinator, find out how their drop works. You can start one yourself if you don't um, have a drop in your community. And of course you can't order through the mail, although some things are limited through the mail. Some right. produce doesn't ship well. Uh, we don't do any frozen through the mail. Yeah. So, and there's I, no club fees at all. 
there's it's no just a shipping and it's a very reasonable shipping fee. So I yeah. love ordering through Azure standard. Oh, well, Karen, so this has been fabulous. Thank you so much for enlightening me, especially on the chocolate and the carob. I need to go order some right now. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Well, that's it for episode 18, but I hope that gave you some insight into those three main ingredients. And then we threw in a bunch of other stuff too. Yes. And by the way, we just skimmed over the chocolate options. All of the things we mentioned, including all of those wonderful options for chocolate, organic, nutritious chocolate are on my pantry checklist. So don't forget to grab that at solelyrested.com slash pantry, totally free. You can download it instantly and it links to all the products we mentioned, plus all the products that I am always referring to over on Instagram and other places you might be following me. So it's a great thing to have on hand, solelyrested.com slash pantry. And of course, as I mentioned in the beginning, you can always search solelyrested.com in the search bar, put S5E18 for this episode and all the information, the links, all the relevant stuff. It's like show notes on steroids will pop up for you there. You also can watch this episode in video form or listen in audio, all linked right there if you search S5E18 at solelyrested.com. And don't forget that we are still doing that fun giveaway. Every author that has been highlighted here in this season has donated a copy of their book for this fun giveaway. So one winner who leaves a review over on Apple podcast for the simple doesn't mean easy podcast is going to instantly be entered to win a copy of every single book from every single author. Talk about a great addition to your library to help you with simple steps towards improving your health. So please take a second to go over and leave a review at Apple podcast. If you're not sure how to do that, super simple. I break it down for you and provide the links you need. If you go to solelyrested.com slash podcast, solelyrested.com slash podcast, and it makes it really easy for you to go over and leave a review for this show. It means a lot to me. I read everyone and everyone makes me super happy. So thank you. And that is it for today. I'm glad you joined me. I hope you join me back here every Monday morning, a new episode is dropping. And remember, it is easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life. So enjoy the simple everyday efforts today. I know it's not always easy, but it's a good life.